0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Robert Dowd Show podcast. Why well, I'm your host, Robert Dowd, where we talk about philosophy and basically whatever else is on our mind for the week. And boy, do I have an episode for you. I have been hitting the notes really, really hard trying to articulate what I wanted to get into next and um, been thinking about it really hard. Stay tuned. Now for a word from our Sponsors. Just kidding. There aren't any sponsors yet. It's just me. <laughs> it's a joke. You see what I did there? Okay. I was just trying to lighten the mood. I'm going to need you to lighten up here. <laughs> um, yeah, this episode is sponsored by yours truly. I put a lot of time into this, and uh, I appreciate any kind of feedback, comments, whatever. There's no real way to give back to the show, and this is a gift from my heart to you. And I'm hoping you enjoy it. Um, We'll just hop right in. So, what I wanted to talk about this week, it's kind of off the wall, literally off the wall. I'm watching cable television and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man comes on. And I wanted to talk about opening up conversations with yourself. You know, not only am I the sponsor of the RDS Show podcast, you're the sponsor of your own life. Take some time... To have a conversation with yourself. Now, this advice is not advice that I wouldn't be giving to myself. This is advice that I found to help me. Now, this is what I've been doing. Now, in my pr- most productive moments, in my least productive moments, it's been a little bit more self deprecating. And I think we all battle this. And that's why you see people around you who are suffering from burnout, or if you're suffering from burnout. Or if uh, you're just tired, you're bored, your uh, attention isn't on what's going on here. Hey, how you doing? Um, Whatever it could be. Whatever you're going through. Uh, A lot of these reasons why we have open doors with ourselves that we haven't closed. It's not just with other people, but a lot of the times do you ever get that feeling when you phone a good friend and you have a long conversation speaking with them. And you're getting things off your chest. Well, you can actually do that with yourself any time of day. You can do that. You can do it in the comfort of your own notepad. So, this is how I've been doing it. And they say it's a sign of genius. And you wouldn't believe it. I can't remember where I heard that statistic. But you know, only 50% of people have an internal dialogue. You know what that would imply? That would imply that half the people around you aren't thinking about what they're doing. Now, Either that's coming from, I'm thinking, well, maybe they're sedated. Maybe they're busy. I don't know. Anytime I'm looking at something, I really look at it. Gonna have the little, you know, committee in my brain give me the one-two step on what's going on with it. Oh, hey, I wonder what uh, Dad's doing right now. Like, the whole nine. Like, when you lay in bed to go to sleep and you're... All your thoughts, your whole entire life hits you. Boom. Don't want to get too sidetracked here. I did want to talk about Andrew Garfield's, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, the, the first movie. I turned on cable, and uh, I was watching a few moments of the film, and this isn't going to be a complete synopsis, but it is kind of a little bit of surface-level psychoanalysis of Peter as a character. And, you know, I feel like he's relevant in every man's mind, and maybe even in the woman's mind. Everybody knows the story. I don't have to tell you. You know, the uncle dies, tragic way. Peter says he wants to change the world. Uh, Peter's going through the wiles of teenagehood, and he's changing Um, and he's going through the grieving process as a young male, because he's grieving his uncle. And it talks about the movie itself. It's not talking about this, but it's uh, symbolizing a lot of processing an original idea and seeing it come to fruition. He sees the mask on the wall. He gets in the fight in the alleyway, hunting down Uncle Ben's killer. Now, the morality gets kind of faded when you think about characters like Peter. The the morality goes into question because you think this is a man who thinks he's above the law. It's a talk he's having with uh, Norman Osborn. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was Norman Osborn in this one. I always get this one mixed up with the other ones because there's so many of them. But this one I was trying to pay attention to. He's having that, no, it wasn't Norman. It's Gwen's dad, the chief. She's ha- he's having this conversation with Gwen's dad about what's right and what's wrong, and they're having an argument, a deep argument, about uh, moral truth and what it's like to stand up. and uh, I have to consult my notes to kind of keep me on track here because I do have a, a one lane that I want to go through with you guys, but uh, that touches on part of it, that argument that the chief and Peter have together about who's in the right when one's wearing a mask and the other one's out in the open and if spider-man's doing what it takes then what uh is law enforcement doing in the film and the breakdown there peter thinks he's doing what law enforcement can't and it's a uh, technically vigilantism even though spider-man doesn't really kill He's still technically a vigilante. He's still taking the law in his own hands to benefit someone. It it might be benefiting safety, whatever. He's commencing a lot of judgment there and a lot of punishment on hand. I'm going to get a sip of my drink, if you don't mind. And I hope you're having a good time. Refreshing. (laughs) I'd say... Spider-Man is a good character for understanding why people want to take revenge against the world. Be it for the untimely death of a loved member of the family or death in the form of violence. It's not exactly a natural form of nature taking its course. Now, if you think about it really in depth, it is. Because there's a main difference between that and natural selection. So, it's... Natural selection, its nature taking form, Uncle Ben dying, if you, and this is in my notes here, in a really, really, really deep way, natural selection, the actual form of natural selection, like like not redefined, but not in a box, losing your uncle in an alleyway to a robber fits the bill for natural selection and it's a very small small deranged form usually when we think natural selection we think the the people who were are the people or animals or anything the life forms that weren't intelligent enough to get the memo to stay out of the street because you might get run over by a car that whole deal in this form In this particular delivery, it's the uncle reaching for the gun and the robber fighting back. In a way, Spider-Man is fighting against natural selection. The fictional character is fighting against natural selection. He's fighting against nature, taking its process. Because for all of the order in the system that there is around Spider-Man in New York, the police force which is in a way far from natural them asserting the order on it for every bit of order there's disorder the yin and yang because you're gonna have it for every bit of evil in the world you're gonna get just as much good somewhere now it might not be evident it might not be in the spot you're in i mean you're in baghdad or somewhere or you know Getting shot at, and you're on a tour of duty or something. You know, that's there's people doing good, you know, and then you have people shooting at you, doing bad for whatever reason, self-preservation, weapons, money, whatever it is, uh, gasoline, if uh, you know, immediate resources, things like that. And I've spoken about different forms of disorder on the podcast before: school shootings, things that happen that are out of the ordinary, and we've battled that with empathy, and it's interesting to pick up a fictional character and start looking at a fictional character that Stan Lee created to fill a young man's need in his time to possibly go against nature. So you have order and you have disorder. I would think that Spider-Man alone is a bit more of a simple case to break down of this, because they you know, they have that verbiage that they say it's not always black and white, but in this case it's red and blue. It's bright. It's in your face. It's popping. Maybe the reason a lot of young men have an affinity for Spider-Man is because they have a subconscious desire to get in the way of violent nature taking its course. I'm going to repeat that because it was really deep. The thought process I had to go into to, to snag this out of my psyche. Maybe the reason a lot of young men have an affinity for Spider-Man is because they have a subconscious desire to get in the way of violent nature taking its course and nature as beautiful and poetic as it is that it might have happened in the concrete jungle the street violence the the world, the dirty slums he's spitting back in the face of Queens and saying this is where Spider-Man lives He's getting in the face of these crooks on this fictional element. He's asserting his self against nature, his immediate desire. He's fighting back. The face that he's pointed to this crime is the violent nature of street crime. The inability for law enforcement to follow up and this be the immediate shutdown for that he Spider-Man almost doesn't believe in that form of reform or he would have helped the it would have been more about the cops getting to him than Peter getting to him and I don't know what it is about that moment that getting back for what happened to Uncle Ben that satiates this uh, passion of desire for Peter to it's it's something he hungers for from the moment uncle ben dies he hungers for that and that's a particular take on something there there's something deep about a young man's angst or woman a a young person's angst to assert their self against nature and death itself may be a high form of a catalyst for asserting yourself against nature. Like death changed it. Like if Uncle Ben didn't die, would it be the same story? Now there's now there's a bunch of different multiverses and stuff. I'm acting too I'm asking too vague of a question. But death incited change to make Peter what he was. In this particular instance, in this particular canon, I'm pretty sure he already had the powers. He was trying to figure them out, have a reason to have them, culminate his idea past the mask that he created to get to the full idea, becoming myth uh, in vigilantism. Really trying to understand that lately as I come up on the anniversary of my own loss as well which I've been kind of open-minded about. And I've been taking all this time writing and reflecting. And I urge you to write and also reflect on what's going on with you. If if you can't open up the conversation with yourself, then I don't think you can tackle a lot of problems as a person. And I'm not talking like journaling. And it doesn't have to be, well, on this date I said this, and like step by step, but... Sometimes you can just sit down and it's not even about being articulated, but sometimes it's about opening up the airwaves to you. From you to you. The love letters to yourself. They say, what, in the end, all you have is you. Which is true and not true. Successful marriages end with, you know, it's till death do you part, if you believe in that sort of thing. The the marriage thing. There's a lot of typical ideals now that are heavily combated I'm not here to do that I'm here to more say that it would be very productive for you to open up the conversation with yourself and who knows what kind of uh, idea that you could get from opening up that conversation because I had people around me for that at one time and when the road runs out on that you still have that open air length with yourself I mentioned this to a friend. Uh, We had a conversation about this. And you you guys know I'm always kind of second-tailing you in on any conversations that I have where this sparked an idea to me and I wanted to share it. And I got an unusual response from someone. I'm not going to mention any names. uh, Very close to me. And he said, I don't know if the doctors he was going to told him, Or he had convinced himself, but he said that even sitting down writing his own deal out, he talked about the stress that it would bring him. Now, that should post a red flag there. that, That that door's not open. And Well, sometimes it's better not to talk about things. Yeah, but if we don't now, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, that that's the whole reason why I have this open here. I really, really hate getting serious with you guys. I hate it. Because I, I, I like to keep it light. I like to keep it fluffy. I like to keep it fun. And there are plenty of fun things to talk about with Spider-Man. He's a goofball. The guy is all fun. Deep in the psyche, things can get pretty serious. Especially when you're digging deep. And having more than three tablespoons full of discussion. You're going in deep. You're going in... You know, I stick to the notes here. I want to keep us on track. As I reflect on everyone having a loss and the inability of the world to understand when people have a loss because of the not knowing, that person who has been lost and the connection they had to you. So what I was getting at with this is Flash finding out that Peter lost his uncle. And and I can just see the images because they just stick to the, the walls of my brain. When flash approaches him you know Peter's like not now because he knows they're going to have their usual spout not now don't do it right now this this isn't the time when uh, when I experienced loss the first thing that every people start saying it's the script I'm sorry and that whole thing I've probably opened up about on the podcast before don't I don't want to see if I'm... I don't want to come on too assertive here. It's not best to apologize all the time. Especially, you know, a restaurant does something wrong. You're, you know, you're your... Companions, you know, you're with your companion. You're with your lover. The meal comes out wrong. I'm sorry. Don't... That's not on you, you know? Like, if the restaurant apologizes, yeah, that that's fine. Um, these different situations where people feel the need to apologize for things that aren't their fault. And I felt myself repeating that script when people said, and I hate I'm bringing this up, but this is, mom passed a few days from now, so I'm I'm going through that whole reflective period. And maybe you've lost someone and it was close to around this time and it doesn't feel the same. And this whole thing goes out to you this isn't some grieving like sad pitiful thing going on it's a celebration of life and understanding around each other how we should communicate with each other and how we can better uh, we're battling with empathy how we can better be there for people who need us when they need us are they in the right state of mind Um, will we understand are we flash gordon not the mean flash gordon but the flash gordon that's approaching andrew garfield at the locker and not understanding trying to you know, reach out with a condolence and it might be met violently we don't really know I'm going to move on I think my inability to just sit and process the film of Spider-Man says something to me about feeling like I'm not heard hence the podcast and repeating myself even when I'm at the sandwich shop these notes are I'm getting at how I always repeat myself I was going out for a sandwich and had my eyes on the dealer. She missed the jalapenos on my sandwich. I'm not. I'm never gonna make myself a big problem. I actually like to kind of go under the radar, and uh, that was the way to handle that. I just asked her, "Hey, you mind if I get jalapenos on the side?" Oh, I forgot on your sandwich. No big deal. Just got my my eyes on uh, the dealer. I felt like I wasn't hurt at the time, and I'm blessed to have an outlet with you guys. How you enjoy hearing me. It's mutual. If there's... I enjoy hearing your feedback. So you getting involved in the discussion lights my fire to go and do stuff like this. But... To me, this is as diabolical as it gets here. This uh, The... Passion for mundane detail coming back is the thing. Um... I always take details really serious I can get in deep misunderstandings with some of you you know who you are based on my obsession with detail and things not meaning what they actually mean or I'll consult Alexa for a definition Uh, had a battle with her over this weekend of the definition of self-deprecating I was trying to nail down whether I was self-deprecating or not (laughs) excuse me and it was just funny. The whole thing's funny because you can you can beat yourself up and not notice you're beating yourself up, and you ask, uh, "What's what's the definition here?" Uh, maybe you are. Maybe you need to go easier on yourself. That goes for me. That goes for everybody. Seeing how, okay, hold on. I'm am talking about the uh, the the toolage, the the use of. I'm I'm on my notes here. I'm just skimping because I don't want to tell all this stuff in deep detail. It's not all very important. Okay, now I know where I'm going with this. So seeing how something can be used in one place and maybe how things can be used elsewhere, be it a tool, uh, that inherently has some violence to it. Using something in a way that it wasn't intended. The inventive way of doing that. Taking the ball and leaving the stadium. Not like in an abstract art way. How tissues hung up in spray painting can be seen as conceptual art. Not as arrogant as using something else for a hammer. But isn't anything a hammer if you swing it hard enough. um, If it has weight to it. It can be used with precision. Spider-Man is kind of that idea fictionally. He's the taking the ball and leaving the stadium. A young man who needs a savior still instead being his own savior without his uncle. A young man not being for himself but being for the city rather. Giving of himself as a symbol when he doesn't really have anything to give to himself as far as the peace goes because the inherent violence against nature doesn't bring him peace. I think it doesn't actually even bring contentment. That's my own breakdown. I don't think it does. I think that's why Spider-Man is insatiable in his hunt for... What is it? I was talking about Miyamoto Musashi last week or the week before. I hope it wasn't on that podcast that got ruined. But I was talking about Miyamoto Musashi having no preference... In the Doku No preference, meaning that walking in a restaurant, you can be able to eat anything and you're content. Spider Man isn't exactly content. Like, he solves this crime and then he goes for the next crime or something. And his vigilanteism. And he comes home, and in the film, you know, Aunt May has seen him and he's gotten his ass kicked. He's, he, he was insatiable it was not about making it right with uncle it was about saving the whole city and engulfing yourself in that kind of idea that unrealistic idea even for a hero i mean even the avengers aren't there all the time in the in the in this fictional thing there's things going on iron man's not there all the time sometimes he's talking to you from a sports car somewhere but i i, I don't know i don't know where i'm going with that but what I'm saying is I don't think Spider-Man has what brings him peace I don't think it's plain Jane black and white or red and blue his contentment so what if people aren't really their own characters but instead are what they have perceived as images in conceptual lack of spray paint tissues but more young men with red masks kids at Halloween do have to grow up. What if all of these conceptual ideas that we have as young people due to people like Stan Lee and seeing Tony Stark and seeing all these characters that are fictional, that aren't real. All the characters that we've run into, be it real people, or fictional characters. What if us as people, we've adopted those images, our favorite ones, or we've picked and chose the things that we liked about certain characters, aspects, morals, uh, the things they told us not to do that would break the law, what if we what if we've adopted a little bit of this from everywhere to develop our own identity? Just want to put that bowling ball down the hallway because I don't know. I mean, we get influenced by so many different things. I know we've picked and chosen, picked and chose, and comes down to the question what really makes you you I I love that part on uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man where him and Tony get in the argument and he says if you if you need the suit you're not Spider-Man you don't have it that kind of thing does it have to do with the suit did he he had it before the suit weird Every person does have a part of them that no one else knows. It's not a crime-fighting vigilante, I think. It's more the passions against nature that make us humans. The parts of us that see drastic forms of order and crave disorder as a humanistic urge. When everything's in line and uh, they have those cool places you can go to where they have nothing but glass around you and people pay to just break things it's just nothing but glass around you that you just pay to break stuff sledgehammers goggles like therapeutic to do such a thing crazy alright well that's half the ride Um, I, I don't know if I'm on pace or not I don't know if I'm ahead of pace but it's time for break hopefully you've been enjoying the show and hopefully it's one of the higher tier shows because I put a lot of time into this, and um, I, I appreciate you week in and week out always popping a click and sharing, sharing is caring, but um, be right back shortly. Thank you. Bye. Hey, welcome back to the Robert Down Show podcast. I'm your host, Robert Down. And we are getting into it. We're jumping in. So, what I was just talking about is every person having a part of them that no one else knows and that being what makes us humans. The drastic forms of order and how that makes people crave disorder as a humanistic urge to see something beautiful and want to make it ugly or to see something ugly and want to make it beautiful uh, to pr- pressure washer simulator cleaning a house or um, an underleveled character that needs to get leveled in real life or the matrix seeing something that needs to get done and you know an achievement a platinum trophy uh, your next raise at work your degree your diploma saving a life the feeling of saving a life law enforcement pa- paramedics the things happening fair following the law being a good taxpayer putting another $100 in your IRA and knowing that you're paying for the future You might not see it now. You might not see it later, but maybe your loved ones do. The taking nothing and turning it into something, not always monetary. It could just be for just the order of it. When I'm not at work, I'm just not where I'm supposed to be. And Like I've mentioned the self-deprecating thing that I think we all battle with. I want to say I'm not alone out there. The humble young man who gets the girl, Peter, and doesn't have time to tend to her or loses her to violence, which again breeds the urge to go against nature and keep the people alive who would have regularly or irregularly have died through the nature, natural or unnatural form of selection. So, based on your perspective of it, the natural form of selection would be all of it happening the unnatural form of selection is you know it's that's a very blurred line is uncle ben dying there really natural it was natural in the way that maybe it was an unavoidable thing in the story he was going to stand up he was going to grab the gun it was unnatural in the way that he didn't die of old age you you know what i'm saying if you're following The urges that make us human almost can't be denied in a way. We fight to make something different because we see too much of a thing. Like I watch a lot of these serial killers on television and I ask myself probably the question anyone since the Roman era probably at the Colosseum ask themselves possibly or just watch with amazement. Do I watch this for the violence or my innate urge to cause it? The weird passion of wanting to be a combatant it's like how sleep is just death with benefits because you get to wake up after sleeping the crime shows where they get the person who did the killing even if it's real life you get to turn off the show and get that feeling that it wasn't you i think the closure of knowing they got the person is the yin and yang for knowing the senseless killing was done so that was the disorder that i'm revisiting I'm hung up on this episode. You have the disorder, then you have the order. The, like the only logical next part of the pattern is the answer. The order of picking up the pieces after the crime fits the killing. The puzzle pieces being all over the ground, you put the pieces together. Then there's the aftermath. The culprit either tells you, you had me all along, or they lie about it, what have you. But you reach an irrefutable truth then, of course. It's tossed up to the legal system and it goes through that set of hoops. But I'm just talking about the bit of it that makes it to television. I know the closed door stuff stays closed door. Except for the part you get to see, like details that are released or whatever. It's not a common thing at all unless you're in the profession for it, I guess. For a decision to be immediate life and death... Unless you're a paramedic or law enforcement or military like I was talking about. I mean, for the general public, you won't get that feeling just off the jump. The decisions aren't ever that drastic. Um, But maybe that's why video games and things have taken off so much. Jumping out of your body into someone else's and coping with the fantasy of being that hero that's eroticized, like Spider-Man, if that's the right word in fictional media... I wonder if giving us that, the watching things that are impossible be possible, has actually bettered humanity, really. I mean, that's a question. If seeing things like Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, seeing something that isn't real happen real before you, because they made it real, um, and then just leaving afterwards and feeling more alien because we get up and go to the grocery store. When something may happen on a very, 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 very short scale that we may never see, the scale is so short for that it's completely unregardable. The decisions in that situation are more about cereal, which one costs more. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of Andrew Tate thrown at me, uh, which you know you get the the toxic and non-toxic side of. Uh, that buku brain uh, he said I, I think we live in these echo chambers and it's odd to hear people we don't watch just pop up in our echo chambers constantly and you you feel like you have to watch them because it's like a car wreck or anything else you know man jumps up a man jumps off of a building and breaks his neck you know, perfect clickbait. You got me. I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to click. But he's, uh, he's on that. He, he's on uh, a bunch of that about what the mainstream media is throwing out in echo chambers and things like that. And I know people like that get bashed, like Trump gets bashed like that. And we don't know we don't know these people we really don't we don't know if they're good people or bad people you just have what the media is dumping on us about them cuz we do receive a lot as the batteries that we are we're being mentally powered by you know what we're sucking in as far as media but i've been watching a lot of these crime docs and adept seriously analyzing how people process death. Still. I'm still on that term. And how realistic it is to appreciate everyone while you have them in general. Not just the Uncle Ben thing in fiction, but the us thing in real life. How life is actually just fickle, and it's very wild how fickle it actually is. You can be yanked up out of this existence in the heap of a moment, really. Like, I could die you know, today. And I think that's why it's important to say what needs to be said while you have time because you don't really know. You don't really know if your mind's trying to get out of your own head. I think I think there's people around us that have that problem where their mind's trying to get outside of their own head bad enough that they'll do anything to get it. And uh, that's dark. There's mental health lines for that. I do urge you to do a Google on that before, you know, don't do anything drastic. People do really want to get out of their head. Alcohol is being highly pushed as fashion, and you know, it's easy to get caught up in it and just be a victim of it, really. A victim of a socially acceptable drug. I mean, what was it? I was watching one. Because you see so many of them, you can flick through them now. Doesn't matter what social networking you get on, there's a flick that's five seconds long. And if they don't nab your attention, here you go, you know. And it's beautiful people in alcohol. Beautiful people in alcohol. It doesn't show these beautiful people in alcohol at the end of the night because they don't look that way. Or maybe they're beautiful because you're drinking and like, oh, you know, you'll do. Like, what? That kind of thing. There, It's not, it's just being glamorized. It's not, <laughs> it's not getting punched down to the truth. Kind of like those uh, commercials with the people who smoked a lot and then they show the lady with her throat and she's got like a hole in her throat. She's like talking out of it and real raspy and stuff, kind of like one of those things. I'm I, I'm going off on my tangent here. I'm going back to my notes. We don't, I know we don't have a whole lot of time, and I don't want to waste yours. Uh, but yeah, you go to the grocery store. You've you're not you're not making de- you're not making Spider Man decisions, you know. Uh. It does really happen quick. If you're kind of blessed, if you're old enough and strong enough to put up a fight, I watched this effed up one where uh, this girl got murdered after like eight years on Earth. You know, God bless her soul. Uh, talking about being against nature and Spider-Man being against nature, immature death and unnatural selection in that form is very against nature. And this is real stuff. You could. It's a. Uh, what is it? See no evil. Was the show? i watch a lot of these crime docs because i i always tell you guys it's good to give evil a good glance in the face you do always want to have a certain level of situational awareness around you so that you can't be taken advantage of for you or your loved ones uh i encourage carrying pepper spray and being uh, prepared watch your family closely and it's it's worse now than it ever has been i'm not being paranoid and saying, well, you just can't go anywhere. I'm just saying, when you're out, take precautions and be safe. Um, uh, see what else I found. It's never actually the people you think who are going to do it. Like, stuff like that. Um, the, the lady who murdered the little girl, um, I didn't expect that happen to happen. I expected it to come from a guy. I don't know why. That's that's me being uh, sexist. I expected the crime to be uh, a man, but it was a woman. It's insane. You can get, you can really get caught slipping on just what you've seen before, and that's the whole. I think that's the whole thing that's pushing a lot of a lot of race problems now. And I never like to get political here. You see the usual suspects, and we put them in a box, and it's not always who you think it's going to be. Uh, so that I think that that's incited a lot of defense and offense, where it doesn't need to be because anomalies do happen. I know they always say, "What what's the, the terminology? I better think of it. Stereotypes exist for a reason, which is... Very biased way of thinking about it, but excuse me, hold on. <laughs> excuse me, pardon me, chap. Stereotypes exist for a reason. It's like that's ugly. Um, there are a lot of them, and I and maybe they do, maybe they do exist for a reason. But still, not ju- not judging a book by its covers. I mean, it's a raw deal to get in bed with uh, people you don't understand like that. And uh, when we play empathy, we battle with empathy. That way, you can get things mistook where they don't need to be. It's easy to cross the lines. But I wanted to bring up Peter and the guy who gives him milk at the gas station. And him being the one to shoot Uncle Ben. Because in the moment, he's not really the guy you'd think would do it. Now I'm speaking meta about that because we all really know the story of Spider-Man and how overplayed it actually is. We all know in that time of that crime, that is actually what's going to happen. We all know that. Uh, But first person fully consumed to the story and oblivious to what happens, like sort of virgin minded for lack of a better way to put that the guy at the register who was arguing about two cents was a douche. The guy behind the counter. Being two cents short for the milk and not giving it to Peter and their BS policy with the take a penny, leave a penny thing before the altercation that led to Uncle Ben's death, I mean. That was subconsciously an instigator for what was going to happen next in the not my problem thing. It's always the eye for an eye approach with the vigilante thing with Spider-Man. It's the eye for an eye approach. I why would I stick my head out for you because you know 2 cents was really important to you and now you're getting robbed for way more than 2 cents and you're getting jacked. I'm just going to stand out of the way. Guy throws me my milk. You know, we all call it a day. We call it karma, right? He's not standing in the way of the karma. He's... It is... Natural selection happening. It's... It's against nature for the gas station to be being robbed. It's also against nature for us to detain the guy being, uh... Being robbed, both of those are acts of nature. Nature happening together the way it's meant to happen. Now it's an odd form of nature. We're not talking about flowers growing in the jungle, jaguars eating shit. It's a this is a very different form of nature. It is a very redefined form of nature, and it's very not in a box either. And I and you can obviously see that I don't. It, it, I'm drawing it out in crayon. It's it's not that easily understandable but Uncle Ben dying was the catalyst for Peter to become who he was going to be um, I wanted to kind of continue about the little girl the feeling of being in law enforcement and being in that moment with looking for a little girl. Now, breakdown in this, by the way, the little girl wasn't really far from the house. It was somebody they knew, blah, blah. We're talking unspeakable acts here. Not what's so glamorized in a movie, really. So two different instances now. I'm talking about something real, and I'm talking about something fictional. I'm talking about a fictional idea, who's against nature. I'm talking about uh, crimes against nature that we have that happen all around us in a trailer park near you. I guess the psycho part of this is a mix of death, a mix of justice, and justice being served and not being served. The dose of unnecessary death and pain. In the eyes of the mother, thinking, what could I have done differently? Really, and just being honest, you'd think, oh, well, never mind. Uh, I never let her out of my sight, this and that. It would never happen to me. But kids finding their way out of their parents' sight even for a second is part of growing up. I think this is an early 2000s or 2010s crime, due to the CCV surveillance on the home or whatever that I was watching. It's a show called See No Evil, like I mentioned. Uh, they catch culprits with cameras, end up catching them with footage. But some like that episode are very sad. This is on cable, YouTube TV. Couldn't live without it. Unlimited DVR, eighty-five bucks a month. If you're still on cable, go full internet and just <laughs> cut yourself to. They're not. A, they're not a sponsor. They should be. Hey. It's me, RDS Show. Contact me. Please. To the subject of mortality, bringing one into a world where they could experience such a thing like that is very much playing God, in my humble opinion. When you see things like that. Premature death. And uh, and it being somewhat out of your control in a very tight-knit family. Being in a world where that, in fact, does exist... Uh, giving that some basic thought feels like a very natural form of birth control. <laughs> no joke. And yes joke. I know all these things are purely situational anyway. Um, I just refuse to put some of those things out of thought. It sounds like I may recreationally look at the mundane and ugly. But if I had to look at it, I do feel like it would be a, I would be a bit more prepared for it. I always urge people to give ugliness a good stare. Uh, realize that pleasure is temporary and excellence may in fact be infinite. It goes to show you that you can't really take anything with you when you're gone. You know, anything. I was speaking about this some last week where, uh, again, that Miyamoto Musashi character that I delved into a week or two ago was talking about in his Dokudo about how we borrow things and then give them back when we're done we borrow a lot and give it back when we're done basically everything We've, even our bodies and that's what they believe in the dokodo. do and uh it's not far-fetched if there's a higher power you know you can't take anything with you when you're gone uh, even Gwen Stacy you just have to appreciate what you have while you have it if you've seen the second movie you know what I mean no spoilers it's dark do the most with what you're given. Overcome what little bits of temptation you can that within your mind you subconsciously fight. The bits you control that you fight that you can actually turn down that won't end up being something you have that makes you a psycho. A lot to unpack there. I may have to leave the ball where it lies on that one, but I will have to I will have to repeat it. Overcome what little bits of temptation you can. That within your mind you subconsciously fight. The ones that you have control over. The bits you control. That you fight. That you can actually turn down. That won't end up being something that you have that makes you a psycho. You can't take anything with you when you're gone. We all have that little evil in us that traipses itself across queens. Picking on thugs that hurt people. Or wants to do the right thing in science class to impress the girl or guy. Whatever it is that gets you going. There's no way in hell those kids can make an antidote. the lizard virus i'm not I'm not buying it. <laughs> you you lost me when Gwen says, "Oh yeah, I can make an antidote. I do that in class. yeah, okay, okay. all right. you lost me there. Also the scratch patterns this is way off. Also, the scratch patterns from the lizard on Peter didn't match his chest when his stank ass just came out of the sewer and was kissing and loving up on Gwen. but uh. Yeah, of course, I I digress. Right out of the sewer, right in the bedroom, infection, scratch doesn't match. It's an old film, you have to take it for what it is. And I think we got a whole lot out of it. What do you think of the film? With Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. What do you think of his take on loss? What do you think of his take on being being a vigilante? If you could be a vigilante, would you be a vigilante? Do you think the systems in place are what makes us a society? And that it's better for all of us? That everything is running its course? or, Or isn't running its course? Is everything technically with nature? Or are some ideas against nature... And we just live with them. And we think they're part of nature. Deep thought of the day. But it seems I've ran out of time. I made it to the end of my my spiel that I wanted to give you guys. I promised you good content. And I'm very, very hopeful that you got everything that you wanted out of it. I hope it was very entertaining. If you're doing reps, I hope your reps are coming out clean. If you're coding... I hope your coding's going well. If you're in school, your school stuff's going well, that you're making high grades and doing your thing. If you're on the beach, chilling, chill it up. Have another one of whatever you're doing for me. Cranberry juice. Do a cranberry juice shot. You know. Stay healthy. Be good. Love you guys. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. And I will have some more good stuff for you shortly. Stay subbed and uh, share it out. There's, There's not much, but we got a little backlog going. I'll see you later. Bye.